0: Hello and welcome. I'm Kat McGoran, podcast producer at Arts House. This year's iteration of Refuge will look at the scenario of a heatwave with the possibility of five consecutive days over 40 degrees. We brought together three experts to discuss some questions relating to climate change and our behaviour. Jen Ray is a matey Canadian-Australian artist and researcher in the area of food security. Alison McMillan is the Deputy Director of the Emergency Management Branch of the Department of Health and Human Services and Alan March is an Associate Professor of Urban Planning at the University of Melbourne. The second question was, what are people doing to adapt to climate change here and around the world? Alan March to start.
1: One key aspect of disasters and emergencies is that they happen in places and uh, humans live in places that they, uh, most of the time, that they have constructed themselves, not always consciously aware, of course, of the risks that they face. Uh, But uh, where we live, is it in a floodplain, is it adjacent or or even within uh, heavily vegetated areas? Um, Is the structure itself able to deal with a bushfire or a heat event? and indeed do the people understand the, the capabilities or, or, or of their structure or of their road system or of um, uh, the nature of, of the event that might occur. These are all things that uh, we, we've started taking considerable action on. Uh, so we're retreating from, from areas that are, and, and trying to avoid people living in areas that are subject to flood. We, we build houses that are much more uh, capable of dealing with fire, bushfires, uh, but uh, this takes considerable time because you know a, a large city only changes like one percent per year. So we've got to make good decisions now. We need uh, we we still continue to try and improve the housing and, and you know places of work and schools that we have currently. So this is the human uh, and built environment connection that we have to make. And it changes over time. So we need to apply all that great science that we have to, to the places that we live. And, uh, and we need to understand that it, there's a number of hazards out there that we're dealing with, and to try and find great solutions that because, um, you know, we, we're facing a whole range of questions. The power might go out um, at various times. The, uh, the heat might coincide with that. There could be um, vulnerable people living in the home. Uh, the water might go off as well. You know, these sound, sound quite alarming, but um, sometimes they can be dealt with by putting uh, insulation in, um, having good shading systems, and, and uh, having a great uh, community network to assist. So this joining of the, the place and the, and the buildings and structures that we have with the human systems is, uh, increasingly understood but it requires us to take responsibility for that.
0: I think that um, adaption to climate change is, is an interesting question. Our society today has a very high level of reliance on technology and um, locality of services and things we want, the, you know the, the 24-7 supermarket. The reliance on being able to communicate through mobile technology and other although phones are probably saw yesterday for many people. Um, And it it goes back perhaps to what I said earlier about the thunderstorm asthma. We fail to imagine that. Can we imagine a world where there is no phones? Can we imagine a world where perhaps the store around the corner isn't in fact available to us or fuel for our cars isn't readily available to us because of some impact we haven't imagined? And so I think we need to use persuasive stories to help people think about how they might plan for or adapt to circumstances such as that. And we need to test that language on the community frequently to make sure that people are hearing what we think we're telling them.
2: Yeah, because I mean, one of the one of the big things about climate change is that it's it's not necessarily about the credibility of the information. Climate change, the science has gotten better; it's gotten stronger. What we have more uh, more of is a climate communications crisis, and we're starting to see people looking at alternative ways of delivering some of this this information. How it's delivered by whom? You know, by trusted messengers using metaphor, analogy, storytelling, um, giving people steps that they can, that they can take, you know, to protect themselves, to protect others, to uh, connect better within their community. And I think that finding these ways of delivering credible information to these different populations to, to these different community groups is going to be critical in the future because we might not have iPhones. We might, you know, um, we might have to find ways of getting messages out in a different way. Um, I was recently in New York and they were talking about Hurricane Sandy and how one community centre had signs up on the door and they brought people who were able-bodied to run food up, to, up in the sky towers and, and so forth and being able to feed them. But it became a messaging system of post-it notes and notes on the windows and so forth because they weren't able to use um, their mobile phones.
1: Recent research does, does show that people's behaviour and preparedness does have a huge impact. Um, an example that I've been looking into recently is in the area of bushfire and obviously here in Victoria that's something many of us are confronted with. And very, very simple things can significantly improve the likelihood of people staying safe and their houses surviving in bushfires. For example, um, cleaning leaf litter and other flammable materials out of their gutters and around the homes, keeping their homes well maintained, not storing things like gas bottles under the front porch or, or other highly flammable materials, and making sure they understand the different communications that will come on extreme fire days. So these things are all kind of quite specific to where you live and the type of home you have and you and the people you care about, you know, their capabilities. But just taking that on isn't a huge imposition for many people. But actually doing it is often the challenge of changing behaviour and and doing it each year and and each week (laughs) and and making that part of our lives uh, I I think is one of the most important behavioural changes for that specific hazard. And indeed the other hazards have their own versions and I think that's one of the key habits that we need to develop that that, um, requires us to keep working on it.
0: I think, I think it's important, too, that we keep working to better manage our messages as well. Um, I, I think back to the example that we had in our heat health campaign each summer. We used to say, stay healthy in the heat, and we thought that we were being clear about what we were trying to achieve. But in fact, when we road tested that with the community, many people thought we were telling them to exercise in the heat rather than avoid the heat. So through that road testing, we better understood that we had to sometimes have a very brave, courageous conversation and be very blunt. So in 2009, 374 people, we believe, died as a consequence of the heat wave. We didn't necessarily talk a lot about that because that's a very uncomfortable conversation. But when people hear that, it helps them appreciate that heat can kill and will kill if you don't protect yourself from heat. And so now we talk about surviving the heat. We talk about the survival skills you might need and the actions you might need to take in order to survive particularly a prolonged heat wave. So I think that the the use of language and the use of imagery and stories can certainly help that
2: um, very strongly just trying to think if it relates to this, but one of the things that, um, that I was thinking about is that in, in terms of the change and getting the change of behavior, there's this woman named Shannon Hayes and she talks about how you can achieve change and one is making a declaration that you renounce something, you know, and that might be, you know, we're going to be safe this summer we're going to take the steps that we need to be safe this summer and you make a declaration. And then the next thing you do is you reclaim. You start to look at the skills or the actions that you have to take within your household in order to make that happen. And lots of people in sort of survivalist sort of thinking get stuck there. They don't actually go on to think about the next stage. That next stage is rebuilding and that's where you start to look at how your skills connect to others in, this, in, in the community. So you might be really good at collecting water. You might have, you know, the, the rain tanks or so forth, but somebody else has a really cool house. And that you can actually start to create an exchange and see how you what you do actually connects within the community. And I think that that's where we are going to start to see, not necessarily resilience, but what Nazim Taleb says is, an anti-fragile sort of state of being so it's not about bouncing back it's about adapting but finding new ways
0: thanks for listening refuge is happening at arts house on the 11th of november from midday till 10 p.m for more information on the refuge project and what's on visit artshouse.com.au